Welcome to Joyful Souls, the podcast. I'm Tracy Benson, your host. I am so excited to take this weekly journey with you where we'll take deep dives into real talk with real people living an epically fulfilled existence. We'll give you tips, tools, and strategies that you can use in your everyday life to have more joy, more peace, more love, more connection, more of all the things that really matter. And it's crazily true. When you live like that in alignment, in joy, in peace, just expanding your heart and soul, it's amazing what you manifest and what will just show up at your door. So let's get this trip around the sun started. I'll see you on the flip side. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Joyful Souls, the podcast. I'm your host, Tracy Benson. And today we're going to talk about preparing for winter. And I know it's a little late, right? A day late and a dollar short, but it's never too late to start setting yourself up for when things financially go winter. So I'm going to be honest with you, you know, for many years, I had no idea what that was or how to even accomplish it. Sometimes we don't know what we don't know, right? I didn't have a peer group that didn't have the financial know-how. They didn't, you know, we all lived paycheck to paycheck, basically. We might have had a little savings here and there, but we weren't financially savvy, And we didn't prepare as employees or business owners or retirees for these kinds of things that are going on right now in our economy. And to say it's a day late and a dollar short, it is for this particular winter. However, we can start planning now for the next one. So I'll give you a story about me and preparing for winter business-wise. For many years, I was an employee. So how I prepared for winter when I started working on that was just putting an extra percentage of my paycheck away somewhere where it couldn't be touched. And so that was for dire emergencies and not including having my six months of living expenses, you know, covered. Because Looking at COVID, this has already gone on. Today is July 13th, and we shut down in Arizona March 15th. So that is now almost four months, and we've just reshut some things down. So I could see this easily going beyond six months. And so if you had a six month cushion, and you haven't been working for six months, and assuming you're getting some of the stimulus money, either unemployment or even the special help for self-employed individuals of $600 a week on top of regular unemployment, if you're regularly unemployed, you know, you might've been able to pay some of your bills with that. So maybe you're stretching it a month or two beyond the six months, right? So we're, let's say, eight months. What if this goes on for a year? Now, I'm not saying it will. And I'm I'm really, you know, hoping for those who weren't prepared that it doesn't. But we just don't know, right? We never know in life. 
And so when I was in business for myself in real estate in 2005, I realized that the way that prices were escalating at such a rapid rate, my logical brain told me we cannot sustain this, you know, too much longer. There is no way this is going to be able to continue at this astronomical pace. I mean, houses were going on the market and having multiple, multiple, multiple over asking offers, you know, during that crazy period without people even seeing the homes because people were desperate to buy and wanted to get in as things went up. They were going to make a killing. And the problem is most of those people didn't leverage themselves properly. They were only leveraged as little as they could to get in. And so when prices plummeted and their mortgages were high and rents dropped, they were screwed. And so, so many people lost everything during that downturn, the last one that we had after that. So, In my brain in 2005, I was like, this is not sustainable. In fact, I told all my real estate buy and sell clients, hey, unless you have to buy a home because you just don't want to rent and you just have to have your own space for your family to live in, don't buy. Stop buying now. Stay where you are. Don't sell your house and buy another bigger one. The clients that listened to me benefited greatly. Most of them were able to hang on to their homes, ride it out, and hang on to their other investment properties that were purchased long before that, and ride it out and not be scathed by bad credit, the inability to buy a house, losing your house, or any of that, because that's preparing for winter. And then they also, all of them were good at looking at their finances and making sure they had you know, the fluff, the emergency fund, the fluff fund, the ultra emergency fund, and always not putting all their eggs in one basket either. Most of them, even if they were employees, had some kind of side business. Couples, both employed, maybe at least one side business. Just so if one thing goes one way, we still have something else to pay the bills. And also keeping your bills in line with a minimalist attitude, right? Just because we make more doesn't mean we need to spend more. We can do with much less than we think we can. Uh, Most of us have indulged and overindulged at different periods in our life. And a lot of times that bit us right in the ass. You know, you ever done that? (laughs) I know I have. So I can't be alone. Anyway, so in 2005, I did something that I really didn't realize I was going to learn in business mastery in 2016, but about innovating. And I was looking at the market going, how do I protect my livelihood? Because I've already told my investors I'm not letting them buy houses, at least not from me. I'm only buying and selling single family homes for people that really have to either have to move across the country so they're selling or they're wanting to cash out and maybe, you know, rent they don't want to own anymore or they're new to the area and they don't want to rent and they really want a home. So that limited my earning potential somewhat, right? Especially as crazy as the market was, because sometimes you had to put literally 40 or 50 offers in before you got your clients a house. Now I had enough ones that were selling that I had that going for me, but I'm always looking for other opportunities as 
you know, people will tell you the average millionaire has six streams of income. And the reason they're doing that, it's the same thing I said, it's preparing for when or not putting all your eggs in one basket. So my thoughts went to what if the market shifts the way I think it's going to, what is that going to look like? I knew it was going to be foreclosure, so I could have gone preparing to do bank-owned sales and that kind of thing. And I said, but that will come and go, and I can do some of that. But what could I do that would sustain me through pretty much every up and down in real estate? So that's when I started property management. I added that to my list of skills because I knew with that, not only is that always needed in a major market, but it's stable income. So those of you who do real estate sales out there, even if you're a fairly high volume producer, you can have six closings one month and only two the next and then 10 the next. It's very unpredictable. It just is. It's the nature of the market. And you can go through periods where, yeah, you're having six clothes every month for a stretch, but it generally doesn't happen long-term. And it tends to be more sporadic than steady like that, unless you're working um, like for a new home builder or something like that. And you know you have all these walk-in people and they're just, you're getting those closings every month. That's a whole different other animal. That's almost like being an employee though where you're getting fed. So I'm talking about regular real estate where you are your own boss and even you're not on a team. So nobody's feeding you anything. So that was me. Nobody was feeding me anything. So I'm like, okay, so I started my property management business and it was a godsend because when the market crashed and the houses around here were a hundred thousand and they weren't selling because nobody had credits except for investors that were paying cash and commissions were really low too at that time because most of them were foreclosures and the banks only pay so much. So you didn't have a chance to negotiate your own commission with the the seller. It wasn't happening. You were going to get whatever they gave you. And you know, we thrived. My business thrived. And it's still thriving today. And I'm always innovating and adding new things. Like at one point, I added uh, vacation rental management. And I've loved that, but I'm so glad I didn't switch all the way to it, which I never would have because my friends that are doing vacation rental management now, that that's the only thing they have. Holy heck, they're not making any money right now. They're not sustaining. Now, I took a big hit in my vacation management rental business. However, because I was prepared for winter, it wasn't going to topple me. Yeah, it hurt. Don't get me wrong. Whenever you lose money um, and you're in business, the business of making money, even though I'm not money driven, it hurts. There is no ifs, ands, or buts about that. But That was another part to my portfolio. And then I have a stronger sales and buy side now. And then I have the property management of long-term rentals, which gives me great consistent cash flow. Now, I have some other opportunities that I take care of too. (laughs) Like I am a lifestyle strategist, which includes some people would call a life coach, mindset coach, transformational coach. I do all of those things with my clients. 
in a group or a one-on-one setting. And then I also do business coaching, which that business is picked up because people are struggling right now to make ends meet, to keep cash flow flowing. They need some assistance. So we have to prepare for winter. And there's so many simple things you can do. If you're an employee, just take a percentage of your check and put it away and don't touch it. And until you get six months of your living expenses, all your living expenses, you keep putting in that fund. And actually, now that I'm looking at what's going on with COVID, I'm going to say we need at least nine months or 12 months of that. Okay. And then you need to look at other opportunities to bring income into your life, a side business. It could be a multi-level marketing company. You know, it could be a coaching business. If you have something to teach or coach on, it could be some sort of general sales business, or maybe you make things like in the real estate world, people give closing gifts. Maybe you make closing baskets or whatever the case may be. Find something else you can do to start bringing in an extra income. And that doesn't matter if you have one, a business already, or you're an employee. So you're going to do those two things. Once you get your emergency fund, which I'm going to say is a minimum of nine months now, instead of the old adage of six, and I would really go for 12. Then once you get that, you take that percentage that you haven't been touching and you make that the emergency, a dire emergency fund. So you don't touch that until your emergency fund runs out. So that'll, you know, if you get that build up, then that's going to buy you some time, right? And also, if you have this cash about you, and let's say in one of these economic downturns, you have this cash build up. And so you've got your year of basic expenses already. And maybe your emergency, emergency fund, your double dire emergency fund is now sitting at, let's say, 50, 60,000. Okay, and generally you're not going to touch that until your emergency fund is going. But let's say your business or your employment is going strong. You haven't been affected by the downturn at all. And you don't see that you're going to be affected. You don't have all your eggs in one basket. You've got some income coming in from several different things. And the market plummets, either the stock market or the real estate market or whatever things that you could potentially invest in really take a dive. That's the time I might pull my emergency emergency fund if I haven't touched my year fund out and use that and leverage it to make some great investments because that's the difference between the wealthy and the normal person like you know most of us is that they have the liquidity, the cash to make hay when the sun shines or in this case When the sun sets and everybody else is losing everything, they can use it to buy. It's just like the investors that came in or the ones that were already here when we had the market downturn and you could buy a four-bedroom, two-bath house out um, in Queen Creek or Santan Valley here for $100,000 or less. And at the time, those were only renting for eight or $900 a month, but that's still a great return on investment. And now those same homes are renting for fifteen dollars to $1,800 a month. So if you held on to them for 10 years, your cash flow is 
astronomical. Now you're going to have repairs and things. And now you're getting a, when you get on the 20 year mark of a house, you're going to have to rehab and maybe put 50,000 and replace cabinets, you know, do all that flooring, lots of, you know, fixtures, all of that countertops, appliances, but 50,000 when you've only spent a hundred and the house is worth 350 is nothing. And that's just one avenue. So you've always got to be looking for those deals, but you only take those deals when you have that emergency fund fully built up protecting yourself because the worst thing in the world, what I saw during that craze period, people not leveraging themselves properly and they didn't have their cushions, they didn't have their emergency funds, they could take care of all their bills should something happen. These are the people that crashed and burned. They weren't prepared for winter. They didn't make sound investments. And there's something about jumping on an opportunity and no risk, no reward is true. However, we still have to not topple ourselves. And that doesn't mean we don't take something and we might lose. And you might lose big time. But you want to make sure you don't lose your personal home you know, either renting or if you own it, you know, you don't want your car repoed. You need to be able to pay your basic expenses. So taking risks are one thing, being crazy is something totally different. And so I learned so much when I went to Business Mastery with Tony Robbins in 2016. I realized I'd always been innovating and I'd been preparing somewhat for winter. But the things that I didn't do to prepare for winter that he taught me were to cut expenses. As we go through life, we tend to pick up subscriptions to things. And, and, you know, if we're in business, we might have two or three products that we picked up along the way, softwares and things that are these little monthly subscriptions that we've been paying. And half the time they're duplicated services. So we pick something up. So it did a little bit more. We were going to try it out. We were going to get rid of the other thing. We never got rid of the other thing. So when I went to business mastery, the first four weeks after business mastery, that's what I did with my real estate business. I looked at every single expense. Where are we wasting? Where can I cut? What can I do? I literally saved $3,000 the first month. And then the next month, I say four, and then it leveled off to about two and a half a month. Once I got rid of some ancillary things that, you know, kind of were expiring closely already that um, we were going to be done with them, but I got rid of them sooner. So we saved larger money and then about two and a half thousand a month. Well, that's a basic employee salary pretty much you know, receptionist or some entry-level position or a part-time person of a more skilled nature that I just saved myself or it's more profit in my pocket. And so over the next few years, next four years, I've done it every year because you just tend to do these things and you add on. Now I try to watch for it and I have my CPA watching for it and that kind of thing, but we still miss things. So I literally dive through everything at least once a year. And I come up with something that we no longer need and save some money on for the year. And it's really valuable. And you can do that in your personal life. In fact, I do it in my personal life every year now. Because, you know, sometimes you got the Netflix subscription and then maybe you got Disney Plus and maybe you got Hulu or whatever. And then you realize, oh my gosh, these services are duplicated. I don't need this one anymore. 
And so in your personal life, sometimes you can cut expenses. And when you cut your expenses in your personal life, then your the amount that you need for 12 months worth of backup money just decreased. So heck, now you may have 13 months and you can take that extra month and throw it into your emergency, emergency fund if you don't have one of those. Or if you have one of those already and you're sitting well financially, you don't overspend, you're well underneath your means, then maybe you take a nice vacation with it and enjoy your life. Because life enjoyment is way more fulfilling than always just hoarding money. Now, when I say hoarding money, as you know, those people that never spend anything and don't enjoy anything in their life while they're alive. And that's what I want folks to avoid is that we need to have some balance in that. We need to protect our interests, but we also need to have some fun. Now, everything that's fun and enjoyable doesn't cost money. Some of the things I love the most, like taking a hike in nature doesn't cost me a dime. But some things we want to do, like going on a nice vacation, you know, maybe going to a concert, going to a professional sports game, you know, things like that, they do require money, right? So make sure you're filtering your expenses. Make sure you're not wasting money in your business and in your personal life. And then also if you're an employee, what a gift to your employer, If you talk to them about it, and if you notice, because you handle something that you guys have duplicated services or place that you're wasting money, bring that to your boss's attention. And guess what? Next time it's time for a raise, I bet you get a better one because the boss is going to remember that you just saved the company X amount of money for the year, and maybe they'll give some of that back to you for the good work. And then it's also great as an employee when you look at those things, because then it's easier to look at your personal life too and go, hey, where can I eliminate some fluff that I really don't need, that I don't use that often, I don't get that much enjoyment out of, and let's see how much I can save myself. And make a game of it, because it's really kind of fun. When I figured out how much I was saving the first month from Business Master, I'm like, holy heck, I almost paid for the seminar there in one month. I overpaid for it in two. So I ended up winning big time. And then find yourself a mentor, somebody who has got their life set up the way you like it and get mentored. And, you know, a mentorship, you're not going to get full access all the time, but it's still information. And usually people, in my experience, people in a great position in life, a lot of them are willing to share. They're willing to share their knowledge and help you find the path to get what they had. So never hesitate to ask. All they're, If they say no, that's no big deal. Just go and find someone else. The other way to do it is to hire a business coach. And sometimes you'll also need, that's part of the reason I switched also to life and mindset coaching. And when you get business coaching from me, the mindset piece is required. And the reason I say that is because half, oh, more than that, probably 80% of our issues when we're trying to work through something and it's not, we're either not getting the result we want or, you know, maybe we're even going backwards from what we want, it's mindset. It's not the task. It's not the knowledge. It's not the know-how. 
It's typically mindset. Our stories and our rules and the way we've set up our life often dictates the path we go on when we don't even know it. So, you know, if you want a business coach, unless you already have a life, a mindset coach, a transformational coach, whatever they're calling themselves, where they work with you on shifting your energies to the right direction, getting your focus in line, simplifying your rules, setting you up for success with the tools to keep you from self-sabotaging with your brain bullies, then your business coach should be doing the mindset coaching with you. My opinion. I had a business coach years ago that didn't do any mindset work. And I had some stories regarding money and what people with a lot of money were like. And I had stories in my head that I didn't want to be one of those people. And I don't want to be one of those people that are like that, but that shouldn't stop me from having money because one doesn't preclude the other. Having money doesn't make you turn into something you're not. So I needed some mindset work. So I got a new business coach that did mindset work with me and I went a lot further faster. I can tell you, I guarantee you that is usually a big piece for most people. Now, a lot of people that will be listening to my podcast and out in the world, they're doing a lot of work on themselves already. Maybe they got their mindset straight and they need more tools and strategies and tips that are related to growing the business that have nothing to do with mindset, that they already have the mindset tools to go with. And that's great. Then just get yourself a business coach. That's cool too. So anyway, I just wanted to pop on and talk about that and say, we need to prepare for winter. I'm so blessed. I'm so lucky I was prepared for winter. And it's not that I didn't lose a lot in the last few months. I have lost a lot of revenue. However, I'm going to be just fine. And I'm not stressing over money. And I'm not worried about losing my home. And I'm not worried about losing my car or, you know, any of those things. And that's what I want for you too. Because it's all available to every single one of us. It's just how you set up your life. And it doesn't matter where you start from. My family was blue collar and extremely, let's say poor. I mean, when I was little, we ate meat once a week if we were lucky. Because meat was expensive. And, you know, it just is what it is. It gave me an appreciation for money. But it also gave me some mindset issues around money. Because when you come from no money you really don't know what that will be like. And also a lot of people with no money in my life said people with money were bad. Money's the root of all evil. And that commonly comes from people who don't have money, right? Because they've got to have an excuse for why they don't have it. And the only difference between you and them, besides whether you're a good person or not, I'm talking about financially, is they acquired the tools and the skills to go get what they wanted. And they went and got it. All right, guys, you have just the most beautiful day. If you have any questions, drop me a line at tracybenson at joyfulsouls.com. That's my email. I look forward to hearing from you, and I'll see you next time. Love you. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Joyful Souls Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback for us, you can reach me directly at tracybenson at joyfulsouls.com. 
Thanks ever so much for listening and have a beautiful day.